0: Oh, this is going to be a good one. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner show, we answer your money questions. You can email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's at Pete at petetheplanner.com. So many of you emailed me this week that... I'm not going to answer everybody's questions. We're going to try, and we're going to put them into another week. Joining me this week is Director of Personal Financial Strategies at Your Moneyline, Damian Dunn. We're getting better at that. I feel like I know your title now. I know. How does that make you feel? Valued. Will you endorse me on LinkedIn for knowing your title? Is that category available? You can create it. Sure. This week on the show, Dame, we've got uh, three, two, you know We're going to do two questions, and then I want to talk about this concept of, Uh, budgeting on a lower income. So we're going to start with a power percentage question, then broke at 50, which is really common, really common. Uh, Then we're going to hit the uh, budgeting when you have a low income. And then finally, biggest waste of money of the week, which involves my spring break. Damien, the first question is from a guy named Ryan. Anyway, uh, Pete the Planner, (laughs) I recently heard about your podcast from one of the FI groups I follow on Facebook. What's that? Financial independence. Uh, I've never heard of it. I listened to episodes 120 and 141 regarding the power percentage. You know what turns out? Those are the best episodes.
1: Those are the episodes, aren't they?
0: They are. Yeah. Um, you're not You're not on either of those? On
1: episode 120? No. no, no those are really good episodes. I see what you did there.
0: I think I understand the basics of it, but I have rental properties, and I'm wondering... Sorry, <laughs> that was mean. Yeah. I'm wondering how you would factor that into the power percentage calculation. Rent goes to my property manager... She takes out the management fee and my maintenance that she completed during the month. She then sends me what's left. I use that income to pay the mortgage, utilities, and any maintenance that I complete separately from my property manager. I have five properties, and four of them are set up with escrow for taxes and insurance, but one of the properties is not so, Uh, I have to account for that. Also, since I purchased the properties last year, I've had significant expenses bringing them up to a good condition. At least this guy's not a slumlord. No, right? Yeah. Do expenses spent on improving the income-producing asset count towards the saving rate? That's just a, uh, or is it just an expense? Anyway, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. For some background, my wife and I both have W-2 jobs where we contribute to 401ks with employer match. We spend below our means for regular living expenses but the repair expenses on the rentals eat up the rest but we are close to finishing the major renovations we also rent out the basement apartment at our home these people are hustlers yeah uh we are on track to retire when our youngest kid graduates high school in nine years regards ryan lots to unpack here where do you want to start buddy
1: um, let's look at the question on whether or not expenses spent on improving a
0: rental count towards savings. Let's do that after we quickly review power percentage. Go for it. <laughs> okay, so uh, power percentage is a way that uh, we here at Your Moneyline measure anyone's efficiency with their income. Damien, what we can do is we can take a person of any income, any intelligence, any savings level, and look how they use that income to increase their net worth. What are the two primary functions of increasing your net worth? Or sh- well, how, what shall I say, what are the two primary ways in which people can increase their net worth? Uh, save more. Yes.
1: Or get rid of debt.
0: Correct. Okay. So um, that's why when we calculate power percentage, we include the principal payment people make on their mortgage on a given month, right? Just the standard yep. principal payment. Yep. Now, technically speaking, An accountant would tell you that a mortgage payment does not increase your net worth because they will say that is money you have on hand that is technically saved, um, and then you're just doing a balance sheet transfer Mm -hmm. uh, of cash, which is an asset, to get rid of a debt, which is a zeroed-out net worth. I disagree for how we happen to do this calculation because I view a person's monthly income until it is – um, purposefully saved, it is discretionary money, right? So the, the thing with this rental property guy, Ryan, when he has these rental properties, each one of those mortgage payments he has has a principal payment component. Every single one of those, in my estimation, would get to be uh, counted for his calculation of his power percentage. His question, Damien, which became your question, is should he include... Uh, property improvements or the expenses to get the properties up to muster. What do you think? I think it depends if it's increasing the value of the property. You you would assume it was. um,
1: Yeah. Even if he bought the property for some discount rate, any improvements are going to theoretically increase
0: the, the value of the property. So maybe not dollar for dollar. I think it's a slippery slope. I agree with you, by the way. But I think it's a really slippery slope. You know how people are like, oh, we just did a uh, a, uh remodeled our, our closet. And it's like, well, you spent, you know, thirty five hundred dollars on that and it did not increase the value no. of your home at all. Right? Right. Um now I know kitchen remodels add a lot of value, but I will say also that not to the level of what you spend on them. Exactly. I mean, if you spend fifty, you may increase the value of your home by twenty. Yeah. Um space additions. Typically, are the closest dollar for dollar mm-hmm. improvement. Um, landscaping is usually completely sunken cost. Yep. Uh, that was no pun intended there, with like so dirt sinks. Sometimes, did you get that? I did not. That was
1: not your best. I,
0: mm, mm. I remember I had a client once when I was a financial advisor did a hundred and twenty thousand dollar landscaping <laughs> project. A like hundred and twenty thousand dollar landscaping project with a bonus they received. Would, okay. And uh, th- it was one of those, they told me about it afterwards, because they just didn't want to hear me bellyache about it. <laughs> Probably the best approach for them to do that. Yeah. And I remember thinking, in in the aftermath, they pulled the whole, well, I mean, it, it did increase our property value. And I'm like, no, it, no, it didn't. No one is going to pay you $120,000 more for your home today than they did three months ago. There had to be a pool involved, didn't there? No, it was it was a lot of like paver stones and in f- fully grown trees. Like they had like big developed trees planted in their yard. They were not very patient people. <laughs> <laughs> was that one better? Yeah, that was better. Uh, okay, so Ryan, I don't think. And okay, so I'm just gonna say it then. I don't think you include improvements in your power percentage. I, I just don't. I think it's too hard to. Be honest with yourself and, and more importantly, to quantify the level that it improves the home. But here's the thing a power percentage can be calculated whenever you want. Like put the money in to fix those things this month and then calculate your power percentage in another month when you don't have to calculate those expenses. Yeah, I wouldn't freak out
1: about it. I, no. you're you're using it you're using the money in an appropriate way for how you're trying to build wealth. And eventually, those expenses are going to drop off a little bit and you'll be able to start using that money to save for another property or whatever you want.
0: Yeah, power percentage is a good measure even for people that have rental properties. But you have to understand that here's how you would do that. You would include the income for the rental property um, as income into your household, household income. Um, And then you would include the part of your principal or your mortgage payment that is principal you would include that on the healthy activity side of the ledger. And so, I don't know. You know, here's the thing, Ryan. You're not going to want to hear this. Because I, th- I feel like the FIRE community, the financial independence, retire early community, I mean, they live and love the world of technicalities, right? They just absolutely love that. Um, and so what I'm about to say is not helpful because it's very conceptual. Anyone that thinks like Ryan thinks is going to be okay. <laughs> right? That's not helpful for me to say that, but it's just true. Right? I don't worry about Ryan. Ryan, if whether your power percentage is three points higher or lower, look, it doesn't matter. No. Dude, you're fine. Uh, good job. Renting out a room in your basement. That's commitment. I don't know if I could do that. No. Yeah. Anyway, well, good for you, Ryan. Coming up after the break, got a good, uh, very vulnerable email from a guy in his 50s. Feels like he's starting over. Uh, So we'll get through that. Give some advice for starting over at 50. You're listening to the Pete, the Planner Show. Damian Dunn in studio. I'm Pete, the Planner. back on the Pete the Planner Show, answering your money questions. Damien Dunn in studio. Still here. I'm here too. Um, Damien, this question is from Scott, and I'm gonna read this question to you, and it is specifically from a gentleman named Scott, but I'm gonna be honest with you. I hear this question all the time, and I don't say that to you to be dismissive of this question. Mm -hmm. I say that that I think there's a systemic issue, um, culturally, with a particular generation in our country, and it needs addressed. And so the email goes like this, hi Pete, this is difficult to write. Um, I carry a lot of shame around due to my financial illiteracy. I just turned 50 and I have less than nothing. I've just been getting by my entire adult life. I need to start from ground zero now that I've decided I'm actually going to live. During my younger life, I was reckless and depressed and not at all sure I would have a future. Now that things are different, I'd really like to try and turn things around. I'm not dumb, just stupid, and I'd like to change that. Can you recommend a book or an online course or something which could help me understand money and give me some tools and insight into planning for old age? I'd be most grateful, Scott. So I think we'll start a couple different places. Being in the financial business, both of us collectively for, I guess, a long time, it is not uncommon to find someone that we just Call broken 50 yeah it's, it's incredibly common and it's really scary because hopefully that person, that individual has 17 years to figure it out. But what you and I know, Damien, is that sometimes that time frame is cut short, not because they're dead, but because of um, age discrimination mm-hmm. and, and employment cycles and things like that in the work that you do at your money line, Broken 50, pretty common still? It's becoming more prevalent, it seems like. What do you think it is? So it's obviously a lot of times people without pensions, but it's it's the generation. It's Gen X, isn't it? Yeah. 50-year-olds are Gen yeah. X right now. Mm-hmm. And so they're boomer parents. they parents of the boomers, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. How's that happen? <laughs> What do you think? Oh, gosh, it could be a, any number of things. It could be they had some
1: health issues that, that wiped everything out and they haven't been able to get back on their feet. Maybe they had a divorce that, that absolutely messed things up and they, they just haven't been able to recover from it. It could be a, something as simple as they just didn't you know, do a, the right thing with this saving early or saving at all. Um, there's any number of cases that could lead somebody to this position in their 50s.
0: Here's a couple things to think about. Number one, when someone says they're broke in 58, people want that quantified. Well, they say, "Well, what do you consider broke?" I'm going to say something outlandish to you now, um, but at least I warned you. I would argue at 50, if you have $50,000 or less in investable assets, you are more or less broke as it relates to retirement. Would you agree with that or disagree with that? Is that a little harsh? I thought you were going to go a little bit higher. I thought I was going to too, and then I got scared. Yeah, I was going to go to a hundred. I thought that's what I would have said. Okay, well let's 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 go to hundred, and we could split the difference. But who cares? Let's say you have a hundred. You're fifty years old, and you have a hundred thousand. Oh, that seems high.
1: Okay, let's do fifty.
0: But here's the thing: if we do hundred, it the, the truth is still the truth. The truth is you are completely unprepared for retirement. Absolutely, that, it's just a function of math. Uh, and that's exactly right. Right. It's not judgmental. It's math. Uh, The good news is
1: you can adjust the inputs in the math. And and so there are certain things you can do. And maybe we're going to get to that in a minute. Don't let me step on. No, you do do it. This is your job. So 50 years old, starting from zero, well, uh, 100. Sure, whatever. um, Things may look dreary, but there are things that you can do to change it. You can... Start to incorporate new behaviors into your life, and and you and I just had a, a talk off air before we came in here to, to what that actually looks like and some of the stumbling blocks to actually doing that is. So I, I don't want to seem that uh, it's just as simple as changing from one thing to another because because
0: there's a lot more to it. I think you should touch on that briefly. Okay, so let, let's say let's say we help this guy like directly. Like I don't know where this person lives or anything, but let, let's just say this person comes into our office and. They had their reality. They currently have their reality. We come in. We show them how to do different things. Mm -hmm. The person goes back to their Mm -hmm. everyday existence. Help us understand the challenges with that. So
1: the issue becomes, um, even if you are armed with the right knowledge of knowing what you need to do, you're still put back in the environment where you've struggled for a number of years. Right. So you need a system in order to apply that behavior, that new behavior, consistently to your life. And so let's just use something as generic as save more money. Yeah, How you get there may be completely different than how somebody else
0: gets there based on their situation and their environment. Yeah, it's almost easier if a, per- a person is a- more easily able to change those habits if a lot else changes in their life. They get a new job, mm-hmm. they move, they're in a different city, they're mm-hmm. in a different relationship. They can, it's easier for those changes to take hold when you, instead of you're married to the same person in the same job in the same place and then you're supposed to make ends meet all of a sudden.
1: Yeah, if you can um, think of it as somebody who's trying to get in shape physically. Okay. If they do it on their own, it's going to be a lot more challenging than if they've got a group that they're exercising with and, and meal planning with and all, uh, you know, everything that goes along with that. You can do it on your own but it becomes challenging. If you've got that built-in accountability and you're watching other people do it successfully, you're much more likely to do it. So if we're talking about financial health and you're surrounded with people who are struggling just like you, well, there's comfort there because you know you're with people who are struggling and experiencing the same thing that you are, but it's not helping you.
0: Yeah, it, community is vitally important. And that's something we're working on even with your money line to to serve our participants is specific communities that are are niche communities Mm -hmm. so people can find support and like-minded people Mm -hmm. Uh, something else that's sort of weird i want to bring up i like to think when someone is 50 um, whatever money they have if it's properly invested that balance should more or less double by the time they retire yeah okay so if you've got fifty thousand dollars based on the rule of 72 and you're earning let's say eight percent rate of return Uh, That $50,000 should become $200,000. And that's to say that you're not putting any more deposits into it, which we want you to. But whatever assets you've already accumulated should double twice in that 17-year period. Uh, I wouldn't say relatively easily, but if all things work out, they should double. (laughs) I think this is totally off topic. But I think that's what's so fascinating with someone that comes to me, which they have in the past, and they'll say, we're 10 years from retirement and we only have half the money we need.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Perfect. That's yeah. perfect, actually. You will only have half the money you need 10 years out from retirement. Yeah. And But that means you're on track because over the course of that 10-year period, theoretically, that money will double. Sure. You do what you do, and, and the markets
1: will do what they do, and, and you're going to get there. And guess what? If they don't, you can adjust the time you retire. You're 10 years out. Yeah. It's okay. You've got time to make those adjustments. I
0: think how crazy that is for a second. I mean, I actually wrote about this a couple of years ago in a column. Like, let's say for thirty years, as a as a working person, you accumulate a certain amount of money, and you you fought and you saved, and it's and you've got that amount of money, and you're now you're fifty-seven years old, and you look at it and you're like, this is half of what I need ten years from now. Perfect. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. This it is crazy. It's hard to get your mind wrapped around. Scott needs community. That's I agree. Good. Scott needs community. Um, in a, in a, this is so self-serving. I emailed him back, of course, and, and, and I think listening to things like podcasts on a regular basis, you can find community sure. in the media you consume. You know, If you think about what you listen to in the car or on your commute or whatever, it, it really dictates how the rest of your day goes. And if it's positive reinforcement with uh, people that have a, a financial... Um, positivity to them then you can be good now you can even try our podcast i don't know if it'll work mm. it just depends if damien's on or yeah. not because he's the good one um all right scott we could do three hours on that topic by the way coming up after the break here's what we're going to do though we're going to tell you why telling people on a low income is just budget why that's really not the best advice ever and and what really you should do to help this is the pete the planner show and i'm pete the planner The Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Damian Dunn joins me in studio. Hello, Damian. Hi, Pete. Director of Personal Financial Strategies at Your Money Line. We're getting good. I feel like it just rolls off the tongue. It now. does. Maybe someday we'll get your business cards. All right, Dame. Um, you encountered something recently, and I've encountered this all the time. Well, let's be frank. We 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 run into it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's this concept of helping people with financial literacy issues. But it always manifests itself in this phrase or this idea for low income people mm-hmm. that people who don't make much money, people who make at or below living wage, which you can find what living wage is in your area by going to livingwage.mit.edu, livingwage.mit.edu, and they'll say, man, someone needs to teach these folks how to budget. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was starting out, I budgeted, and then that'll help. And, and Damien, what we know, what we've learned and what now what we know is that is terrible advice. Oh, it, it's just, uh, it's not terrible, it's unrealistic.
1: Yeah, I, I think there may be some value to people in that situation prioritizing, not necessarily budgeting, but prioritizing their spending. Um, but man, if there's not enough money, there's not enough money.
0: Yeah, and, and by the way, this is not get into like weird bits of socialism here or there. No. Th- that's not where we're going with this. This is not about income levels. No. This is about, okay, this person has this income. Okay, th- this is their income. This is the situation we're dealing with. What do you do? And telling them to create a pie chart with... You know, eighty-four dollars going to groceries each week. Like that's not gonna that's not gonna do the trick.
1: Yeah, they're not going to see a pie
0: chart where there's more pie plate than pie. Yeah, in, inside of that chart. I'm hungry now. Why yeah, do we do this? I don't know. Why do we consistently do this? I don't know. And here's the issue. Okay, so let's just pick. Well, here's what's going to be terrible. Now we now have to pick a low income. We're just going to choose one, and then people are going to get mad and, and and whatever. Who cares? All right, what are we going with? First, check F- local listings okay. for low income. you want to go $500 income? a week? Is that low? 2000 a month? Yeah. 2, yeah, that's, okay. that's, that's, yeah, let's do that. Are we going net? Yeah. Okay, so then that's a $30,000 income, more or less.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, sorry, I was just trying to think yeah. the, the, if, if the $500 net is
0: going to get us where we want to be. Okay, well, actually, probably closer to 28000 I would guess. Yeah. $28,000 of income. So we're going to call that take home pay of 500 a week or or 2,000 a month. Is that right? Is that where we want to go? Is that right? Let's just see where it goes. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't matter. How is how is one to spend $2,000? You know, I think it needs to be lower than that. I do too. Okay. Okay. 350 a week? 400? 400. All right, 1,600 a month. I'm yeah. good with that. Yeah. Okay. Sorry everybody. Sorry. Sixteen hundred a month. Okay. And we're in the Midwest, so let's just do a Midwestern breakdown. What can you get an apartment for? And by the way, this doesn't mean you're young starting out and you're a single no. person. This means you got a family. Yeah. Uh, let's say you've got a family, you got two kids, and so you can't just rent a room in some some fire guy's basement. That's right. Right? What are we gonna go? Five hundred bucks? I think that's the minimum. Okay. So five hundred dollars to rent a place, and so now we're down to eleven hundred dollars, right? Um, now you'd like to think you can take the bus, or you've got a paid for beater car, and you can. But who who knows? We're not going to assign much to. Well, let's not assign much to uh, to that. Yep. L- let's say it's a single parent actually with kids. Then you get into daycare. Oh man, okay. I got to go bare minimum on daycare, eight hundred bucks a month probably. Okay, so now we are at 1300 of the $1,600 is spent. Spent. Okay, and that's two categories, dude. Yep. Two categories. Where do you go from there? Do you, do you say, well, this is why you have to budget? No, it, it, that's not helpful. Telling me, well, you can only spend $17 for utilities. That's yeah. the good of budgeting. That's, that's the point here. Now, you can say don't spend $200 on food, which... By the way, you would have to spend $200 on food for a family of three, two kids, in a month? Yeah. $50 a week? That's not going to cut it. Yeah. but So you can say things like that. You can say, well, you've got to cut back. But ultimately, you can only cut back so far. I mean, you're talking about that person going to food pantries. Absolutely. Right? And this underscores the
1: challenge of somebody getting off of government um, assistance as well because as you start to make income, there's a cliff where those benefits will fall off. And if you're not making enough money, if you don't get that job that's going to provide for those needs, goodness, you're going to be in trouble.
0: I think the other frustrating part for me, and I always risk teetering over the line here, is that just because you think a person evaluating the situation could navigate the difficulties of living on a low income and pulling themselves up, the person making that judgment from the outside just comes from a different place, mm-hmm. right? They don't have necessarily the same experiences or the same upbringing or skills or education that that person at the mm-hmm. lower income. So it's it's easy for me to say with my liberal arts degree from a private university, um, oh, all, all you have to do is, is climb that ladder. And it's like, well, yeah, I guess it works for me. Yeah. But I don't think that that's actually good, helpful advice to anybody. No, I feel like the pull yourself up by the bootstraps, which is classic personal responsibility, which I'm a huge fan, mm-hmm. I'd be a huge proponent of uh, personal responsibility, I think it just falls on complete deaf ears when someone is l- earning a low income. I yeah. don't have the solution, by the way. I'm just saying that we're spinning our tires by telling people to budget who make that wage
1: yeah i completely agree i I think there's only so many things that are uh, feasible for somebody in the situation to even try and do because they've got responsibilities that they have to attend to too they're still people they still have things going on and they still have families that they have to take care of and to 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 spend that time at a job that's not going to make them enough money or, or it just gets, this, the spider web gets very complicated, very tangled, very quickly. And some of the choices that they're
0: faced to make are uncomfortable to say the least. Well, I, I know you went to a, a workshop on this topic, mm-hmm. and, and I remember you coming back and saying, you know, this population's under such extreme stress that whatever relief they seek out of self-preservation mm-hmm. costs money. And it's understandable, and it should be more understandable to others that that that's the way to go. I do have to bring this up with the two minutes we have left in this segment, and I'm just going to get angry, so let's just get started. Um, That's why the financial literacy movement, people are like, well, we need increased financial literacy. When you talk about what financial literacy is, what it actually is, is to educate people on what are predatory corporate entities. To, to educate this population about money is to educate them away from people who are trying to make their lives worse, payday lenders mm-hmm. uh, of the like. And then you get into the Indiana legislature that is currently trying to pass through some of these payday lending bills because the payday lenders are contributing to their campaigns and their lobbyists are just giving you know thousands and thousands of dollars to these people on voting who are about to make this population people uh, uh, of people – life worse. Mm -hmm. But it's all under the guise of oh, we can give them more ready access to money. Same thing with the new uh, payroll options
1: that some employers are are checking out where people can access their wages on a daily basis if they want. We could do
0: a full, we should do a full segment on that. Maybe next week we can do that. Um, It's fascinating. In theory, it's like, oh, freedom. And I think some of the services are even called like freedom pay or something like that. Bottom line is we try to Put some type of bow or packaging on this particular segment. As you look at people who make significantly less than you, right? You can think about whatever you want, but just understand that them budgeting does not improve their life or their stability. That the issue is they don't make enough money. I'm not asking you to solve that problem, and we're not saying we're going to solve the problem. We just know that you're creating frustration for everyone involved when you assign the need to budget to people who don't make enough money to make ends meet. I'm going to step off the soapbox so we can take a break here. Uh, Coming back, biggest waste of money of the week. Oh, it's a doozy. I'm Pete the Planner. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is, well, Damian, i it's story time. Yay. I was in Bradenton, Florida mm-hmm. for spring break. Uh, if you want a picture of Bradenton, it is a ton of reti- retirement communities. I visited my in-laws and their retirement community down there. And so what I'm saying is it's filled with old people. Okay. And just north of Bradenton is St. Pete and Tampa, or as they like to call it there, Tampa St. Pete, right? We took the Skyway Bridge or the Sky-Sun Bridge. We took this long bridge, and we went to a Tampa Bay Devil Rays game, which they're just called the Rays now, and it's a professional baseball team. Mm -hmm. And they play in a dome. I don't know if you've ever seen a baseball game in a dome, but it is an incredibly weird experience. Tropicana Field. Yes, we were at Tropicana Field. And uh, just to give you some color of what's going on there, uh, my father-in-law and I, my father-in-law and I, are sitting next to each other, and I have to whisper to him, so as to not have people four or five rows away hear our conversation. Oh, it is as quiet as open mic night when I used to participate. <laughs> I mean, it, Damien, it's the one of the weirdest things I've ever, ever, ever been a part of. That's not the waste of money. Okay, so. The ladies and Ted all sit down. That's my mother-in-law, my daughter, my wife, and Ted. They're <laughs> sitting. The men, uh, my father-in-law and I, go to the concession area. It's a beautifully newly constructed concession area. Did I tell you about this at no. all? No. Oh my gosh. Okay, it's new. It's beautiful. It's and it's like a food court. Mm-hmm. Beautiful carts and like you can tell each is like a local restaurant nice. that, that is serving their specialty. So you walk over, and I walk to one of the carts. It's like a barbecue cart, and I'm like, let's go. And I was like, I would like your product. And he's like, you have to order over there. I was like, okay, weird. I mean, you're here. I'm there. Let's, I mean, no one's in line. Let's go. He points to a giant pillar that's holding up the dome, right? And on that pillar is what looks like an iPad. It's okay. a touchscreen, but it's not an iPad. It's, it's some j- terribly constructed and engineered product. I go over there and it says like order concessions here. And I'm like, all right, well, I, you know, I have an iPhone 10, I can probably figure <laughs> this out. So I, I press um, start here. Right off the bat, my friend, not very responsive. Hmm. If you've ever done a touch screen in which you have to touch it two or three times, what in, it inevitably starts to happen is you tap through. Yeah. Right. You tap ahead of the taps. And it's frustrating. So we get there, okay. So then what happens is I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to see a menu of all the items uh, because I have to get this food item for my daughter, this food item for mm-hmm. my wife, this sure. food item for my son from the different carts, mm-hmm. right? So I see the, the food items, but they're not the food items; they're the carts. And so you click on a cart, and then there's their four, four food items, but you don't know is each of the, the items within the store until you click on the item, right? You don't know I mean you don't know their menu. Oh, okay. Until you click on the on restaurant, the cart, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I found something, uh, and I clicked it. And then I was like, okay, now I need to go to another cart and get the other food item I want. No, can't do that. You have to check out. Each, time? each time? So you check out. But here's the thing. So I swipe my card, and uh, my card goes through. Okay, I uh, sign, blah, blah, blah. Okay, now I have to do a separate transaction. Okay, so now I go through, find another item I want, not very touch responsive, swipe my card, declined. Declined. Well, Damien, it turns out my bank is so sensitive to my purchases, despite the fact that, you know, I travel all over the uh, yeah. country. All over the country, all the time, and in North America, the countries that surround us. My bank thinks that anytime I spend money in a different city that it is fraud. So I'm like, oh geez. Okay. So then I grab a, a different card mm-hmm. that we you know. Swipe. Declined. Okay. So then I get a text from my bank asking me if I made the transaction. And I'm, at this point, I'm mad, sure. right? Because we're away, we're missing the game. And by the way, you can't even order beer on this thing because that's illegal. You have to go to a separate section and order beer. <laughs> so I'm one food item in, and it's no joke, it's 12 minutes, okay? For one item? For one item, because hmm. now I'm just jammed, throwing cards through this thing. I'm taking like my Marriott key card and running it through. <laughs> like I got into my room, but I couldn't get into my bank account. So I go to text back, yes, to my bank. Well, guess what? We're in a giant metal structure, so I don't have good service. So I can't actually text my my bank out. I have no money. Oh, did I mention they don't uh, accept cash at Tropicana Field anymore? That's convenient. Anywhere in Tropicana Field, they do not accept cash. So I have like $100 in my pocket because it's vacation. So I thought, hey, any responsible human will bring cash. I can't, I can't use it, and none of my cards work, and I can't tell my bank that it's actually me. And who do you think the primary audience is in St. Pete, Florida, for spring baseball games? Who do you think their primary clientele is in terms of demographic and age? Who lives in that area that goes and consumes the game? Who lives in that area? Grandparents? Grandparents. Who do you think's better at touch screen technology? A 41-year-old man who, who, who runs a company that's linked to tech or an 80-year-old person who is just there because um, that's where they live? How do you think they're doing with that touch screen? Not well. So this is the second game that these touch screen systems had Ooh. been installed. in. And, and when I walked up to this area, I was like, well, this is a beautiful area, it's well designed. There's no one there. There's no one in that area because no one knows how to use the stupid touchscreens that don't work. So by the way, I'm fumbling around. I finally am able, that first order, I ordered my wife nachos, that's what she wanted. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize that the nachos I got her were potato chip nachos. They were sort of like this thing. And so Whoa. then I'm like, I go back to her, like now 17 minutes, I have one food <laughs> item. And I get back to her and I'm like, here. And she's like, what's that? I said, it's nachos. these aren't nachos. and and i'm i'm so mad like i'm on the verge of tracking down the general manager of this organization and just giving him a piece of my mind like a firmly worded letter and she my wife is mad at me like, un- un- understandably from her perspective but she had no idea what i had just been through sure and i'm heated like have you have you ever felt your blood pressure high oh yeah yeah like i'm so mad my father-in-law's frustrated Because, I mean, what's he going to do, Yeah. right? Um, And so then on my way back to this area to then order something else somehow with no money or no access to my money, I look down this tunnel and I I see what looks like a traditional concession stand. Mm -hmm. I go down the stairs into this concession stand. It's traditional concessions where you can just order at the person giving you the food and, and pay that person. They have traditional nachos. So my kids said they want nachos too. So I ordered two things of nachos. I come back up and I didn't tell my wife this is what's going on. So I show back up with two trays of the correct nachos and I hand them to my children. And my wife stared hateful murder views at me. <laughs> it was like, and, but this entire time I can't explain it to her because 30 rows would hear the explanation. <laughs> it's so quiet. <laughs> And so she's, like, passive-aggressively really mad at me, and I can't do anything about it. Meanwhile, I haven't had a beer, and I've been there for 35 minutes. I go to order a beer because you had to buy it separate from the nachos. My card was declined again. Again. And so then the whole point of going to this game was to take my father-in-law there as a surprise for his birthday. And, now, and, and to, buy, you know, to buy your father-in-law a beer is one of the great pleasures in life. Like it's a very important thing, right? My father-in-law doesn't drink, so I don't know. Well, that's why you should buy him a beer. It be it's a great pleasure. How about buying him a meal? Yeah, sure, absolutely. It's a thing, right? So now my father-in-law has to basically buy everything because my bank thinks I'm insolvent <laughs> and the touchscreens at Tropicana Field don't work. That's this week's biggest waste of money of the week. The touchscreen system at Tropicana Field. I've been saving that story for a week. It was awesome. It was so frustrating. Like My wife is just now understanding of how upset I was. I I wanted to scream. I felt helpless. Yeah. Sure. Imagine being 80 trying to deal with that garbage. They're going to have problems. Incredibly big problems. Get it together, Rays. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for this week's show. Oh my god, I'm so frustrated. I'm I'm mad again. <laughs> I have high blood pressure. You need a break. I do. Let's. Uh, how about a week's break? We'll okay. be back next week. If you have questions, send them to us. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. I'm sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is my show. <laughs>